What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com. Quit eating your burgers on a coffee table. If you want to eat a burger, put it on a bar. Follow your instincts to B-dubs for the new All-American Cheeseburger. Fresh, juicy beef smashed till it's crispy around the edges, covered in gooey cheese, and stacked to the ceiling with deliciousness. And knock that baby down with a frosted beer at the bar, just like the sports gods intended. The new All-American Cheeseburger at Buffalo Wild Wings. Roar! Please drink responsibly. Welcome to Ideation Collective. I'm Jess Larson. This is Book Review Friday, and today for a co-host, I've got my co-worker, Daniel Taylor. What makes or breaks content? What is the what is it about content, certain content that attracts hundreds of thousands of viewers um, or millions of hits? What is, what is it that makes great content? This is another episode of Innovation and Leadership. Today, we're going to be picking from the 400-plus books on business, marketing, and strategy that we've read and talking about one of them that we feel like can have a big impact on innovators and entrepreneurs as they try to invent the future. As always, in addition to learning from the show, we hope you'll consider clicking on the Child Rescue tab on our website, iCollective.co, to see how you can help change the life of a child that's been rescued from abuse and trafficking. Also, we love all of you who've been emailing to tell us what parts of the episodes you really liked or, or what was helpful to you. And to everybody else, if you have time, we'd love to hear from you. Just send me an email at stories at iCollective.co. And now on to the episode. Daniel, thanks for making time. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So uh, why don't we let you take it away here? Awesome. Well, uh, today we... Um Everybody knows, at least everybody here at Idation Collective knows that Jess is a book junkie, an audio book junkie, and uh, we wanted to highlight a few of these books, um, get get some of your insights, why you like them, and why you've um, taken to them, has added, added them to your collection of Bibles that you live by. Um, today, we want to talk about Content, Inc. Um, so for everyone who doesn't know what content Inc or what it's about, who's, who it's by. Could you give us a little rundown of the book's premise? Yeah. So content Inc, Joe Paluzzi, he's the founder of the content marketing Institute. He had a great book come out, uh, called Epic content marketing. A lot of people know aimed a little more at bigger companies, bigger organizations. Uh, content Inc is more for the entrepreneur, you know, the innovator with a small team that's trying to get some traction and, and maybe taking a different route to, uh, to grow in an organization it's basically the premise of build an audience first and, and sell to them second. Okay, awesome. And 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 why is this a model that you've taken to it? Being at Ideation Collective, I've been able to see firsthand this is kind of the way you've approached to building this found, uh, this organization. Um, why is it that you took to Content Inc. and, and wanted to, to try it out? You know, I was such a nut for all the inbound marketing you know, that HubSpot has really promoted in their eBooks and all that stuff. And um, I think for me, just being a sales guy ever since I was 15 years old, got my first sales job, uh, I, I really saw how much work it is when you have to go convince people of things. And I was really envious of the organizations that had warm leads coming to them and, uh, and people were 80% sold and they just need that last confirmation that this is what they really wanted to do. And so I got really interested in marketing five years ago, and I've been reading all these books, listening to all these audiobooks, uh, going to classes. And I feel like Content Inc., especially for uh, 
maybe a more nimble organization. It's just such a great handbook for here's how you actually do it. Here's like step-by-step do's and don'ts. Um, And also here's like real life examples of people who've done it before you. So you can have some faith that this is somewhere to go. And, and they're not just going through the huge examples like the Red Bulls of the world, you know, who obviously their content is so good. They actually get paid for it by network television to, to hand their advertising over, right? Um, he goes through more everyday folks and, and he goes through even teams of one. You know, there's a guy who has a YouTube channel who he built it just to have it almost like a resume for when he went to get jobs. He was taking game theory and advanced mathematics and explaining video games. And it was just supposed to be an exercise to show, hey, he would be good at making content. And it got so popular. Now it's a uh, a business forum that he's getting millions of views a month. And he's a guy named Matt Pat. And um, so seeing those maybe more tangible examples where it wasn't somebody with a huge Rolodex or a huge um, war chest of investment to get going, and they were able to basically pull it off on low budgets with a lot of passion and, and just sticking to the consistency. It made it really believable for me, and it makes it easy for me to want to pass on to other people as, hey, this is a great way to get that credibility. Um, I think, uh, you know, one of the other books, we'll do another session about 80-20 marketing. It talks about when you go and sell something, why is it so different than when you go to the doctor asking for advice, you know? The doctor has credibility. You wait for the doctor. Um, when we show up on a doorstep as a salesperson and we're trying to get them to buy the service our organization or our company sells or the product we sell, they don't know us. They don't have any interest in us per se. And we have to do all this work to get from zero to sold with content. If you can let the, U- the YouTube videos or the podcasts or the blog or these things work on somebody for weeks or months or years and you... You know, you're doing one blog or you're doing one podcast show that's working on potentially hundreds of people at a time. It's kind of that like plant and harvest, you know, that the sales models may be more hunt and kill, right? Go after mm-hmm. one, it's targeted, and you've kind of got all your eggs in that basket. Mm-hmm. Where this content market, you can, content marketing, content ink model, you can plant so many seeds at once. And if you've got the tenacity to stick with it over time, you, the harvest can be pretty big. Okay. So I want to, I want to go back to something you said and I, I've read this book, I've listened to it and there was a common theme where a lot of these people weren't necessarily intending for their content to turn into their full-time job, right? There were people blogging or, um, uh, doing marketing on Facebook or, um, podcasting, um, or YouTube, YouTube videos. And then they realized they had an audience so big that they had, some of them had to leave their former jobs and, and take this on as a full-time job, whatever. Um, what about doing this on purpose? So you, at Ideation Collective, you're, you're taking this model uh, very seriously. Um, it's what's driving Ideation Collective. And there are other examples in the book where people are doing this on purpose. But for an entrepreneur who's looking to apply this model um, on purpose, uh, you mentioned it's low budget. Entrepreneurs like to hear that. Um, what What is it that we can, like, where do we start with the Content Inc. model? How do we build this audience on purpose? Or what is it that we need to do um, to begin with the Content Inc. model? Yeah, I definitely think there's uh, some hard questions that should get asked up front. You know, not that you necessarily need to know what business you're going to promote through your channel eventually. Like, you don't have to have the product. You don't have to have the service before you start building the audience. But knowing at least, like, what demographic you think you identify with, what 
what group is going to be interested in your message? And is that the kind of group that you could sell something to later? Right. Um, so starting about starting with that in mind of, Hey, if I go for this channel, right. You know, there's not a lot of people, our parents age on Snapchat. Okay. So if you're going to be the king of Snapchat, but you're trying to sell retirement plans, you know, like just a little bit of logic that way about thinking about, you know, is this your target market? Um, I think that he really gives some good advice in the book about kind of sifting through what is really something you're going to be able to stick with personally. I mean, podcasts are easy for me because I talk a lot, <laughs> right? Where blogging wasn't going to be my thing. Like I'm just not a writer. Everything I everything I write has needs to be proofread for grammar and spelling <laughs> and run on sentences. And yeah. like I'm just not a I'm not a writer at heart. I I hope to write books. Um, it's not that I think there's anything wrong with writing. Um, but when it comes to putting out a lot of content over and over for, for weeks and months and potentially years here, um, talking was one that was going to be easy for me. Um, and so it's like, it's kind of like that book, uh, strength finder, right. Where it talks about Michael Jordan didn't make a lot of money playing baseball. So mm-hmm. figure out what your basketball is and double down. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're very interested in video. That's something ideation collective will be coming out with. And I have such a passion for it that even if every video isn't a home run, I'm still interested in doing them. Sure. So I think maybe that's something to be thinking about right off the bat. Okay. Um, so putting out content um, to build your audience, does, I mean, in the book, he does go into some detail on whether it's better to, to be putting out a lot of content or to what, you know, what channels to track. You know, you mentioned knowing your audience, so you're working on the right channels. But uh, what makes or breaks content? What's the, what is it about content, certain content that attracts hundreds of thousands of viewers um, or millions of hits? What is, what is it that makes great content? Yeah. Um, it's something they talk about a lot. Uh, so since the book has come out, in, or in addition to the book, Joe has a podcast called PNR, This Old Marketing. It's probably the, the podcast I'm most religiously listening to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talk about how much basically junk is out there, right? There's so many people that have a blog and they're so focused on, did we get out enough? Uh, did we get out enough articles this week instead of asking themselves how valuable were our articles this week? And it's gotten to the point where um, people are producing content for content's sake. Mm-hmm. It feels like, you know, it's like the CEO approved it and went down through all these layers. And now there's the technicians who are actually doing the stuff and it's like a treadmill where they're told do more, do more, do more, Mm -hmm. but it's not always scrutinized. What's the effect? How many inbound links are we getting from this? Are like, how, how high a quality is this? What's the reception to it? Mm -hmm. It's, it's been a numbers thing of how much is out there. And I mean, it's just like terrible television, right? We all grew up flipping through those channels that you knew there was nothing on that channel you were going to want to watch. Right. Yeah. Um, it is very much this idea of can you outhelp your neighbor? I mean, the big numbers of what you're talking about, that stuff, virality, books like Contagious by Jonah Berger, or you think about our ideation collective with Jay Davis, who who's got YouTube videos with five million hits and thirty million hits. You yeah. know, he, he talks about unexpectedness and those things. But um I think maybe a lower bar than trying to be exciting and trying to get virality or funny. I mean, those things are hard to hit repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, something that's maybe a lower bar is to be really helpful. You know, Jay Bear has got that book utility that really goes into this of, man, you don't need to necessarily get millions of views. If 
you know, the dozens of people or the hundreds of people that are tuning in are really, really being helped and they're building that affinity with you. Yeah. You know, a few hundred customers is a pretty good business for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And if you're consistently helping them, and it's not just check off the list, I got another post out, check off the list, I got another episode out. It's there's some thought that like they're actually going to do something different in their life because of what you just helped them with. Sure. And you gave it to them for free. I mean, it's like a scratch their back first thing, you know. You think about that Robert Cialdini book, Influence. Mm -hmm. And he talks about reciprocation and all those tests they did at Arizona State University showing uh, what a value um, it is in influencing people if you can do something for them first, this natural inclination for reciprocation. Content marketing, Content Inc. model, it allows us to do that on a large scale, um, and so certainly, you know, content calendar is vital. Will this stuff be out on purpose? I mean, we talk about all these crazy ideas. I'm always changing my mind about stuff at work, <laughs> driving you guys nuts, yeah. right? Um, and, and different team members are proposing different things, right? But like what, one of the things that's like sacred mm-hmm. at our, at our work is did the podcast to get out today, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff can slip through the cracks, but did the episode get out? Doesn't slip through the cracks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's important. Um, for sure. But then that challenging ourselves on, is it actually working? Like are people's lives actually different because they spent this time with us? Right. I think that's maybe the litmus test for helpful. I think we're learning a little bit of this at Ideation Collective. I think um, we're trying to be a little more thoughtful about the content we're putting out. And we even talked recently about uh, changing the format of the podcast that we're releasing and not just trying to get, you know, these five episodes out a week and maybe splitting things up or, or putting out different content, right? Um, and we have had suggestions. People have said, we got to get on YouTube, you know, YouTube's, YouTube's the way to go. And, 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 and other platforms. And we've sat there and thought, well, what would, what would we accomplish by putting things on YouTube? What would we put on YouTube right now? And, and if we just threw it up there, would it do us any good? Um, so it's definitely, um, intentional in the book. He talks a lot about being intentional with your content, like have a purpose, know your purpose, know your audience, go out and do the research and then create your content based on that research and do it again. Keep doing the research and keep revising your content to meet your, to actually be helpful. It, it's such a good point, though. I'm thinking about our conversation with Jerson on the team call this morning mm-hmm. when we were asking ourselves, like, are we really being rigorous about testing? You know, we had this premise for a show format. Mm-hmm. And have we been asking ourselves the hard questions, right? And like you said, there are some changes. We're, we're, you know, by the time this episode comes out, it probably will be done already. <laughs> yeah. But um, there is this real easy thing to do of sit around the boardroom table and drink our own Kool-Aid about how good our idea is sure. versus, you know, you look at the lean startup by Eric Ries or, or his mentor, um, that book's right beside you, the startup owner's manual, Steve yeah. Blank, yeah. right? His Stanford teacher. Yeah. And, you know, they're so serious about testing and being willing to be wrong, right? It's not about the ego. It's about the data. And um, Steve Blank's always talking about get out of the building, you know, meet with the customer, ask the customer, uh, we, you know, we were to, we had some feedback just last week from somebody who's a loyal listener that was uh, talking about how much they enjoy the episodes that start, that have a little bit more of the the path of how they got there, mm-hmm. and and help them. They felt like they liked those episodes better that made them feel like, oh, I could do this too, instead of this person started near the top and then made it all the way to the top. They really liked those stories of, hey, this person, you know, what what were the lows? Where did this person start, and how did they get? get there. And mm-hmm. so as a result, you know, we're hoping to have our interviews have more of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it would be easy. It would be easy to just keep doing things the way we always do them. 
And so it's something that we're going to have to work on is consistently testing our material is, is it having the effect? Is it connecting with people as well as it could? And that continuous improvement process, it's like compound interest investing, Warren Buffett style investing, where you continually put out content. And if you continually improve it over time, the value of all of it put together becomes really, really valuable. You think about the book Content Machine, um, when he talks about how so often, like you put out a whole bunch of episodes that don't get enough, don't get many views, or you put out about a whole bunch of blog posts that don't get many views. And then all of a sudden, when some starts to take off, people go back and look at everything you've done already. And those things, a year later, those things end up being really valuable, even mm-hmm. if they weren't that valuable this week, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I want to talk a little bit more. So, you know, you're an entrepreneur, uh, you, you launch this content ink model, you're trying to build an audience, you're putting out all this content, uh, you're, you know, tightening up on finances, you're eating oatmeal, you're bathing in the river. How do you, um, <laughs> how do you turn that audience into customers? How do you, how do you start monetizing this content? How do you survive off of this? And why, why would I even care about this approach when I can start from the very beginning, uh, trying to get customers and, and investors and, and starting business a more traditional route? Yeah, listen, nothing against getting customers, right? Profits are the oxygen that a business thrives on. I mean, maybe it's not the purpose of life, right? Sure. Um, but but certainly, uh, you know, if you don't have the profits, you don't have a business. Um, I One of the reasons that I lean towards it is um, if you can start this way previous to getting the investors or previous to getting too buried into, oh, I'm sure we should sell this. Mm-hmm. Um, is it gives you the chance to see what the people who already like your content want to buy. You know, you think about in the olden days when uh, you had to spend so much money to get on television mm-hmm. or on radio and getting access to the masses was such a cost-intensive thing to do. Mm-hmm. Going out and selling door-to-door or cold calling was a better idea mm-hmm. from a dollar's return standpoint for a lot of startup businesses, right? Sure. Where now... Because you can bypass CNN, you can bypass NBC, right? And you can build your own channels and you can advertise on those channels for free. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the math has kind of changed where cold calling that people hate so bad. I mean, they just really loathe getting cold called. It's such an unproductive, takes so much time sure. to get them done. Sure. Um, the, the math has kind of changed these days. So in, quest- in your question about monetization, um, there are a bunch of models. He talks about it in Content Inc., there, there's a lot of great blogs out there that can give you help on this. Um, certainly something like podcasting, right? The, the metrics of how much you can get paid, they call it uh, CPM or cost per M, which is the mathematical number for, for thousand, right? So depending on how many thousand downloads we get, that's what sponsors will pay us a certain amount per thousand downloads, okay, right? Yeah. Um, there's a lot ad supported, right? YouTubers might be making their money off the YouTube creators network, uh, revenue sharing with those ads, the pre-roll or, or YouTube red, things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a lot of folks that have done a lot of ad supported stuff. Um, what we hear is much more profitable is somebody like you look at like a John Lee Dumas. If people go to EO fire, his podcast, sure. and he, he shows all the different ways that he's making money. And some of it is off of the sponsors, but that's maybe only 30%. You know, look at Pat Flynn at smart passive income. He's got this detailed report where he shows you, yeah, he made this much from the sponsor, but he also made 60 grand this month from Bluehost, you know, that uh, he's sending affiliate links to. Or they're selling their own conference or coaching services or these type of things. Uh, Where where I'm really interested, though, is more the hard products. You know, you look at 
John Lee Dumas came out with his Freedom Journal this year, where right. it's it's a product that's legitimately interesting, and he's got such a huge fan base that likes him and that likes something like that. Um, and I, I, what I I know this is kind of a long answer, but I guess I would sum it up is read the book called Ask, uh, and we'll put a link to it on the page here mm-hmm. uh, on the website for this episode. But he has got such a great model for going through and um, how he, he literally gives you the step-by-step method of how do you get your audience to tell you what they want to buy from you in the kind of way that it doesn't end up being the like, ask your friends, oh, would you buy this? And they all say yes, and then you mill it, and then they don't buy it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He has a very methodical way of going through and letting your audience tell you what they buy. And it's like, build the audience, then figure out what they want to buy, then build it and sell it to them mm-hmm. it is the model. Right. And, uh, you know, it's obviously turning out millions of dollars for, for a number of those folks who've been good at it. Right. I uh, was looking at John Lee Dumas's numbers the other day, and that first month that he put out that little handbook, it wasn't anything crazy or super long, but it was what his audience was asking for. Um, he had brought in crazy money. I, I can't remember the actual figure, but um, you can see that. I think he might have website. started it on Kickstarter, actually. I want to say it was it was over 100000 the first month. Yeah, it was Just a for lot. selling a journal, I mean, right. a blank journal. Right, <laughs> because he's created an audience, and they know, they know what they're going to get from him, but he also knows what they want. Um, all right, so create this audience, um, and and you start getting to know them and understanding what they want, and you're creating products that can really help them, and you and you can monetize those. And there's other ways. Um, you can you can monetize memberships to exclusive content or or have premium services. Um, but what what's the long term goal here? Like for Ideation Collective or these other companies with this Content Inc. model, what's the end goal? What's the dream? What's the when do you know you've made it? Yeah, I think that's going to be an individual thing, depending on people's goals. Sure. I think early on, people typically have entrepreneurial goals that have a, a number and a dollar sign on them, how big they want their bank account or their net worth. Sure. And then once they maybe have been through a few of the roller coasters of entrepreneurship and the crash and burns and the build it agains and these kind of things, uh, typically I hear a lot more people interested in uh, a goal lifestyle, you know, mm-hmm a goal, what does my calendar look like mm-hmm. is the goal. You know, they want the freedom to do this, but most of them actually enjoy working too. Yeah. Um, there's, I'm sure there's some d- numbers in there, but really a personal personal preference um, for designing that. Um, I, I really am a big fan of Derek Sivers. Um, he built CD Baby, the first online music store. He's got these TED Talks with millions of views. Mm-hmm. He's got a couple of great episodes on James Altucher and Tim Ferriss um, this year where he talks about if you're more worried about serving people, the money is a natural byproduct. Mm-hmm. And so you don't actually have to be quite so worried about what you're going to get. If you're really worried about how helpful you are, uh, you're going to get taken care of. I mean, it's a little simplistic to say it that way, but essentially that's the underlying philosophy that the math is built off yeah. of. And and I hear from these people who have built audiences and they build actual like friendships with different fans and different people who are tuning in and different people they're helping over time, I think it guides them on what to sell and not to sell. You know, you hear, um, for instance, John Lee Dumas again. I'm thinking, uh, I know he had like some payday loan company that wanted to be the advertiser on his show. And even though they were willing to pay something like triple what some of the other sponsors would pay, he wouldn't take them because he didn't feel like it would be helping his audience. Mm-hmm. And he's betraying this trust mm-hmm. of representing stuff that will actually be a valuable to value to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it I don't know. I, I owned that 
one natural gas business with with a you know was on the board with a gentleman worth a couple billion dollars and remember he took my brother and I out to lunch one day and we were talking about stuff after our board meeting and he it was funny really frugal lunch I think it was at the YMCA (laughs) (laughs) which just again breeding down stereotypes right I think our sandwiches were like four dollars and fifty cents okay um but what he said to us was don't worry about how much money you're making. Be really, really worried about if your investors are making money. Awesome. If you're always worried about how much your investors are making, you're going to be fine. Yeah. And I feel like that's the content thing here. If you're really, really worried about taking care of this flock, taking care of these people who have been, you know, they're willing to part with some of their time to learn from you and, and possibly buy stuff from you. If you take that serious and, and you care for them, that this, this is a very large long-term asset. Awesome. I appreciate it. Um, let's shift gears a little bit here. Yeah, I wanted to talk about how um, these, you know, this this model. When you when you read this book and you think about these principles, how can you take this to? And we've talked about this a lot in our other podcasts, but to your ch- uh, your charity, child rescue, where you're combating anti, uh, you're combating sex trafficking. Um, what what of the content ink model can you take to that uh, endeavor? You know. Um there's a lot, right? Um, we've all got things that we could be giving money or time to. Um, for, for many people, this feels like just one more cause. It's, you know, most people say that's terrible. Oh, that's, that's just horrific that that happens. That's, that's good work that you guys do. But, um, the first reaction isn't typically, oh, and how can I get involved and how can I start adding 20 hours to my work week, (laughs) helping you guys after, right? Um, so, so what we find though is when people can feel that emotional connection to the kids whose lives they would change, that's when you start to see, I mean, we had one, we had one guy put $25,000 in for that down payment on the aftercare orphanage himself. Right. Um, and there, and that is, you know, that was a case that was very much a personal connection with, with the kids down there Mm -hmm. whose lives were going to get fixed. So being able to, a, just have the familiarity, like how we talk about it on every show, is something that over time, it's just like why you see Coca-Cola ads everywhere, why you see Red Bull on everything action sports. It's just the repetition, the top of mind kind right, of thing, right. right? But it's also kind of the affinity marketing of, of the emotion that you can create when they see that, right? When people see a Red Bull logo, it's usually something exciting exactly. that they're seeing at yeah. the same time they see that logo or they're about to see or they just saw, Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, if we can tap into people's deep humanity and they can really get the feeling like, oh, this kid matters just as much as my niece. This kid matters just as much as, as my child. Uh, they're not less valuable as a human. Then it really allows them to tap into their good intentions uh, and, and do something that makes a difference in the world. So you look at you know our filmers. You look at Stephen Lepsha and Carter Burrell just went to Peru and actually did the filming yeah. down there. Um, we've got the other undercover agent who we had the video right with his face blacked out mm-hmm. that, that hopefully will be edited soon. Yeah. Um, when people get to hear those real stories, I think that's a place. Uh, the beginning of our youth program, Backyard Broadcast, we threw a big concert with Dashboard Confessional and Neon Trees and 311 and Third Eye Blind and 20 of these bands just taking five minutes in between each band to have a LAPD human trafficking cop get up and talk. And the mayor talked about the issue and an actual survivor got up and talked to these 4,000 kids at the concert about, um, what, what that was like for them. Yeah. 
And it was one of the kids in that crowd that went back and at their high school, which is not a <laughs> kind of a lower income area. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they said, this is the cause we want to raise money for all year. And we're like, oh, great. You know, <laughs> let, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to be 200 bucks, right? Yeah. At the end of the year. Well, they rent because they're like, we're going to run car washes and we're going to do these things. They're like, appreciate it. Glad you're getting involved in the cause. But we really didn't budget anything different depending yeah. on what these kids are going to produce, right? Sure, yeah. Yeah, they raised $20,000. Wow. That's <laughs> and, like, amazing. Kids um, writing their own songs and printing CDs and selling them to their friends and putting the money in. I mean, they, kids went nuts, That's right? That's awesome. It paid for the training of... 285 FBI agents, police officers, and parole officers. And again, that's not something we would have done if these kids hadn't started the what you know later became the backyard broadcast chapters, right? Our yeah. high school, college program, yeah. which came from an experience a kid had at the concert. They were there for the music. While we had them caught captive, we got to you know we got to advertise. Hey, yeah. here's what the organization does. Yeah. So that's awesome. Well, thank you. Um, before we end here, can we just have a quick recap of why Content Inc. is a book that we should add to our libraries? Why this <laughs> my, is sales, my sales pitch, yeah. right? <laughs> Here's what I'd say is um, people, people hate being sold to, but they love buying. Mm-hmm. This is their chance for them to find out about you and build strong, positive emotions about you and your product and your service and your team. And to do it repeatedly to a lot of people at the same time efficiently, right? Because you can... If you build one piece of good content, it can get spread to so many. Um, and it makes the revenues and the profits and the things you're probably accountable for or that at least, you know, the mortgage needs. Yeah. It makes those things easier to pay for when you don't have to take people from zero to sold, mm-hmm. uh, when you can let this work, do so much of it yourself. And specifically this book, I feel like there's a lot of books about content and inbound marketing and PR and stuff like this. I feel like this book is very tangible, very realistic uh, kind of step-by-step way to build that. Absolutely. You, you've read this book too. What's your pitch? Uh, I'm, I'm with you there on the practical thing. I love practical advice and I loved reading this book um, and being in the thick of ideation collectives uh, um, growth and structuralization organization um, and being able to see like not only that this content was um, easily put out there, we didn't, we could bypass NBC and CNN and all these channels. We we had a podcast on iTunes, and it was, you know, within the first couple of weeks, it was new and noteworthy, and it was on the front page of iTunes, kind of a thing. And um, but that this content was actually helpful, and and I had people coming back to me and saying like, oh my gosh, I loved this episode, or I loved that, um, I loved finding out about this guy on his webpage. I never would have known about his business or his services. Um, and, and we're going to do a lot more of that and get into a lot more of that, but I love that it's such an accessible, uh, model. Anybody can take this, um, can take this model and run with it. Uh, it takes a little bit of patience and tenacity and, and sacrifice, but, uh, it's, it's so, ex- so accessible and so practical. It's funny you say that. Cause I'm thinking, you know, when you came on the team before anything had been launched mm-hmm. and this was all hypothetical mm-hmm. and even though we're not going to, you know, maybe sh- we won't brag about real numbers or something, but you look at our download count month one yeah. versus last month. Yeah. And it's like that, that chart goes way up into the right. Yeah. And like, I do love getting like call emails from you at 11 o'clock at night. You're like, dude, guess how many, <laughs> guess how many downloads we got today. And we just, you know, week after week, get those new, set those new highs Yeah, when it feels like we're just doing the same thing again. Yeah. Right. Totally. So I feel like if dummies like us can make this happen, <laughs> probably anybody could, right? Yep. <laughs> Great.
Great. Well, thanks so much for your time and, and thanks for letting, you know, giving us a little insight into Content Inc. And uh, we'll cut it out there. Great. That was another installment of Book Review Fridays. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll also check out Child Rescue uh, from the menu on our website, iCollective.co. And if this episode or any other episode really stood out to you or, or you have a story to tell us, please email me um, at the email stories at iCollective.co. Thanks so much. Quit eating your burgers on a coffee table. If you want to eat a burger, put it on a bar. Follow your instincts to B-dubs for the new All-American Cheeseburger. Fresh, juicy beef smashed till it's crispy around the edges, covered in gooey cheese, and stacked to the ceiling with deliciousness. And knock that baby down with a frosted beer at the bar, just like the sports gods intended. The new All-American Cheeseburger at Buffalo Wild Wings. Roar! Please drink responsibly.